Welcome to the IonaHoops.com podcast with your host, Guy Flotico. What's up, Iona fans? Hey, add the YouTube app to your smart TV and cell phones because the IonaHoops.com podcast is now in a video format. Isn't that exciting? Yes, you get to see this face all the time. I know it's something. Uh, I don't know what, but it's something. Um, so anyway, we took a bit of a hiatus to play with this idea. Also, I was on vacation, if that's okay with everybody. Uh, but I had this idea of cooking for a while. Some of you might know. I've talked to a few people about it offline. Um, uh, you know, just trying to bounce the ideas about the best way to do it and all of that. So, you know, I decided it was time to give it a try. Uh, and we'll see what happens. And if people don't like it, then we can go back to just audio. Um, anyway, maybe instead of five listeners, I'll get 10. Who knows? Um, anyway, we'll be playing with various aspects of this uh, format in the coming episodes. Uh, feel free to send me any comments you have in terms of making it better, um, and we'll see what goes on from there. Um, anyway, I hope you do enjoy to see this podcast and not just hear it as we move forward. So as I've stressed many times uh, over various episodes of this, uh, first 40 episodes of this podcast is that uh, we like the, the primary focus of it is to explore the present state of Iona College basketball. Um, I like to look at the present and the future rather than spend too much time glowing in our amazing past that we've had, but it's certainly something we should do every now and then because uh, would we we'd be here with Coach Patino right now if we didn't have our past? Probably not. Uh, anyway, so occasionally we do take a dip back in time. And I mean, really, it's always nice to look back at our more recent history since we've gone back to back to back to back to back. But for this episode, we'll be going back in time even further when we welcome former Gail Jason Young to our podcast. This one's going to be interesting as we'll be talking about all those great Iona teams from the late nineties uh, with Jay. And we're also going to take, get his take on a couple of current college basketball issues, such as. So anyway, yeah, stay tuned for Jason. This is going to be a fun visit with the former Iona point guard. But before we look back, we look ahead with Iona Iotas. So we all want to know, are the Gales headed to Greece next month or not? And the answer is yes. The trip has been on shaky ground for some time due to the state of COVID in Greece. But yes, it is happening from August 19th to 30th. Cannot be overstated how important such a trip is, will be for this team, uh, given the key players that transferred in and, of course, the new guys as well. And finally, the full Patino system being implemented. Uh, we're going to take a deeper dive into this trip on the next episode of the podcast. The other big question Iona fans' collective minds is, how are the early season workouts going? The answer is overall very well. Sounds like the full Patino system is already being implemented and the aforementioned Greece trip would certainly help the guys in that regard. Uh, a couple of notes on a couple of players. Josh Duash is not yet with the team as he's playing with a club team in Australia right now. And he's not due on campus till next month. I haven't heard whether he's going to join the team in Greece or anything. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens there. Also, one question we everybody had entering the season is, 
how's Rob Robert Brown's health uh, after missing most of last season? I'm told he's slowly working his way back toward 100%. He's not been uh, yet able to fully participate in practices. Uh, he's doing some working out, but uh, not really able to practice because he's not able to quite cut the way he should be able to cut. He can run, but can't really cut. Um, but he is expected to make a full recovery and be ready to go by the start of the season. Uh, I would not expect to see him be playing in Greece, though. We've got a little scheduling news for you here as the brackets for the ESPN events invitational in Orlando have come out and the Gales are going to see a familiar foe, Alabama. On Thanksgiving night at 5 p.m., Iona draws Alabama first round of the event, which is somewhat disappointing uh, as an argument can be made that Iona should have been able to avoid Alabama and Kansas in this event in the first round. Um, you probably saw me argue on Twitter, uh, a case can be made that Iona is better than at least two of the teams in this event, uh, suggesting that if they did indeed seed the teams one through eight for the event, Iona should have avoided Kansas, which is probably the one seed, and Bama, which is probably the two seed in the event. But whatever, we move on. Uh, the Iona Alabama winner will take on the uh, winner of Belmont and Drake on Friday, uh, the 26th at 7 p.m. Uh, the losers meet at 4.30. Um, Iona's third game of the event would be on Sunday, the 28th against Kansas in the first uh, in the finals. If all is perfect, if not, Dayton, Miami or North Texas will be there. Um, have I mentioned that I'll be bringing my whole clan to Orlando for this event? It's going to be cool to watch us go three and oh and be, then be nationally ranked in the first week in December after it. Uh, what's up with the rest of the schedule? You want to know? Um, we're still looking to finalize a couple games. Uh, perhaps a neutral site game is in the works um, and also a home game is in the works. But these are still up in the air as the schedule usually is around this time of year. So stay tuned for details. And now the offer roundup. I'm going to make them an offer. I can't refuse. With the Greek Olympic basketball team falling short of Tokyo, Rick Pitino has finally been able to join the staff in hitting the recruiting trail in recent weeks. And the guys have been quite busy. Uh, the Gales reportedly offered seven foot center Pete Carey out of Northfield Mount, Mount Hermon school in Massachusetts and the AAU's New York lightning. Carey's got a lot of major offers from Syracuse, Rutgers, Bonaventure, UMass, among others. Um, my owners also reportedly offered Carey's Northfield Mount Hermon, Mount Hermon teammate, 610 power forward, Luke Hunger, who is originally from Montreal. He's got offers from Miami, UMass, Rice, and several high mids and mids. Uh, we've also reportedly offered 6'8 forward Van Allen Lubin out of Orlando Christian Prep, a three or four star recruit, depending on which service you're looking at. Uh, he's got offers from most of the SEC, pretty much, as well as Texas A&M, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, Pittsburgh, and others. Um, Gales have also explored backcourt help with an offer to 6'4 point guard Denzel Aberdeen, also out of Orlando. He's got a bunch of uh, high major offers from Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Illinois, Ole Miss, Texas Tech, Virginia Tech, Cincy, and a bunch of high mids. Uh, moving back to the front court, Iona has offered Ben Sutherland, a 6'7 small forward out of Cincy, most, uh, mostly high, high mids on his list with a bunch of mid-American conference schools, as well as Belmont, Winthrop, Charleston, and others. How about a 6'7 shooting guard? Uh, Iona offered Ryan Dunn, who's a three-star recruit with offers from Boston College, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, Marquette, Minnesota, Pitt, and other majors and high mids. Oh, I have saved the best for last. So there's a 6'7 small forward, power forward out of Calvary Christian in Florida named Greg Glenn. He's a consensus four-star recruit and a consensus top 100 player in the class of 2022. Uh, well, he's named his final five potential suitors, Michigan, South Florida, 
Virginia Tech, Georgia, and Iona. Certainly no guarantees in this world, but let's just say this kid would be a program changer for the Gales. It's clear Patino and staff have not shied away from competing against the big boys for players, and just to make this kid's final five is a great accomplishment. Hashtag Patino effect, indeed. And now, it's time to bring in our guest. Jason Young played four very successful years on Iona from uh, 96 to 97 through the 1999-2000 season with a pair of NCAA trips and an NIT trip as well. He was, a, he was that quintessential point guard that you want for the Gales. He averaged five assists per game and made better than 80% of his free throws as a senior, and he ended his current style with another NCAA trip. Jay, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Guy. I appreciate you having me on, and um, hello to all the Iona Hoops fans out there. I'm glad to be able to get on here and ask, answer a few questions for you. And, you know, this is something that's been in the works for a while. I, I you know, I don't know if anybody has been listening, has been to Hinkle Fieldhouse, but uh, Jason and I were both there in March for Iona's game. And we kind of passed each other on different ramps, leaving yeah. the, the facility. It's like, guy, Jason, hey, how are you? Yeah. Good to see you. And it's like, oh, yeah. well, we're walking in different directions, so we can't talk. Uh, but so, I, you know, I kept saying to myself all of this offseason, Got to have Jason on. Got to have Jason on. So here we are. Um, so I want to go back in time before uh, before we get into uh, what we just witnessed again in March. Um, and even though it seems like only yesterday I was in Minneapolis watching you put up eight assists against Maryland uh, in an NCAA game, we are getting older, unfortunately. Uh, so it's let's put you back in time. It's the mid-90s, and you're a high school player in Indiana. Now, we all know high school basketball is a religion in Indiana, much the, way high school, much the way high school football is in places like Texas and Pennsylvania. Um, so let's start with that. So I'm going to assume the vast majority of my listeners did not get to experience being a high school basketball player like you did. Um, what was it like being a high school basketball player in Indiana? Well, being a high school basketball player in Indiana, I think changed quite a bit since uh, the mid nineties, but back in the mid nineties, there was, you know, there was just, there was kind of religion. It's what you did. You grew up and you went to the high school games with your with your dad. You watched your older brothers play. You know, I grew up in a small town in Indiana, and um, you know our gym set. There, you know, I think the capacity is like basically like six thousand people. So we would get, you know, you get forty five hundred to five thousand people at a game. Depending on the big game, sometimes it'd be a sellout. But it was definitely a great experience for me. And you know, growing up in Indiana, you know, you had Bob Knight, you had Gene Katie back then. So the Big Ten was huge. And you know, today it's a little different. You know, I. I don't know that a lot of kids in Indiana growing up now really know who Bob Knight is or what Bob Knight did or that kind of thing. So it was definitely a great experience. Um, something I try to share with my kids and it's just, it's just, it's basketball. I mean, everybody in Indiana loves basketball. Everybody loves to play basketball. There's, you know, really, really good teams. You don't all have maybe have like all the superstars all, all the time, but you have a lot of guys that just really have a great IQ and, you know, know the game of basketball or know how to play the game of basketball. Mm. Now you mentioned recruiting. You know, we know recruiting is very different today than it was in the mid-90s, as you said. Um, tell us how you recruited the, the process uh, back then, uh, because, again, so many of our listeners uh, are older Iona fans. Sorry, guys. Uh, but, uh, you know, from, from a player's perspective, it's, it was so different than it is now, what we see online and everything else. So <laughs> tell us what it was like being a player, being recruited by colleges, how Iona got in the picture, and, and that process for you. <laughs> 
For sure. I think, you know, back then AAU basketball was totally different. I mean, you kind of, you know, I was on one of the first, you know, around here, it's a pretty big name, Spies Gym Rats team or Spies Indy Heat teams. And, you know, we had a uh, reversible jersey that had a number on it. You wore your own shorts, you brought your own tennis shoes, you played 10 or 15 games, you had a state tournament, and that was it. You know, there was never really any college coaches there. All the shoe money wasn't into it. You know, you didn't have a bunch of people that had alternative motives for the kids. It was just, you know, some guy that got a group of kids together, they went and played, and, you know, that was kind of it. As far as recruiting process then, like Five Star was huge back then. So I was pretty fortunate to play for um, my high school coach was Ed Schilling, who was a Calipari, Calipari assistant that went on to be a head coach at Rice State. Worked with Cal, uh, Coach Calipari at Memphis, and he went to UCLA with Coach Alford. Then he came back to IU with Coach Miller, and now he's an assistant coach at Grand Canyon with Bryce Drew. And uh, he introduced me to the five-star basketball camp, you know, when I was going into my freshman year in high school, and he was great friends with Howard Garfinkel. So I went to five-star every year, sometimes every summer, sometimes for two weeks. And um, my senior year, I was, you know, I was get, had some schools recruiting me, and Coach Ruin, who happened to be a five-star, and I think that's just when he might have stopped playing, and he was maybe going back to school at Iona, and Coach Welsh hired him, and he saw me play, and him and Garf were really good friends, and Garf's like, hey, you know, Iona's really, in, you know, Jeff Ruin's a great guy, Iona's a great program. I'm like, I'm from Indiana. I don't want to go to New York. Like, that's, you know, it's not even on my radar. So I just kind of blew it off and came back home, and I had some offers from schools around here, you know, Ball State, Indiana State, Evansville, some schools close to around here. And I was really set on going to Ball State. And uh, they wanted to sign myself and another guy that were, they were going to kind of sign him as a point guard and kind of sign me as like a combo guard. And I didn't want to do that. So, you know, I kind of was said, hey, I mean, I'll just maybe give us Coach Rulin a call. So I kind of called Coach Garfinkel or Howard Garfinkel. He called Coach Rulin. We kind of got reconnected again. And um, I took a visit out there. It was actually uh, – 1995, I think Iona was playing Kentucky in the garden. And that was the year that Kentucky was in the holiday, holiday classic or whatever. And that was the year that Kentucky won the national championship, I believe. And I flew out to New York, you know, small town, Indiana kids flew out to New York, uh, went to the game with great atmosphere. And I just kind of fell in love with the campus and really connected with coach Rule and coach Welsh and decided that's where I wanted to go to school. Well, I'm thinking of that Kentucky game in 95. Some guy named Patino was uh, coaching Kentucky at that yeah. time. I don't know what ever happened to him. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, interesting, though, you were talking about, um, you know, the options of going to New York. Do you, as somebody uh, who, again, played basketball, high school basketball in Indiana, do you get pressure to stay at, in, at one of the colleges in Indiana? Did you get some people like, dude, you got to stay in Indi one of the Indiana colleges. Why are you going to New York? Did you get any of that? Not really. You know, I – you know, I came from a single parent home and it was just one of those things where my dad was like, Hey, you do what you want to do. And you know, I'm behind you 100%. Looking back on it now, what I would do, I wish I would have stayed here a little bit closer, maybe a little bit as far as, you know, family members, you know, relatives and something like that, being able to come see me play, but it, you know, it worked out for the best and I couldn't, I wouldn't change anything. Mm, excellent. Well, maybe you would change one thing and I'm going to get to it right now. <laughs> you will forever be linked to one of the toughest losses anyone in history is, Gale fans are never going to forget the name Marius Jalunas and the clip of you collapsing on the court as his shot went in. Um, <laughs> describe the swing of emotions in those final moments of that game against Syracuse. I can just remember, you know, I, you know, it comes up, it comes in my mind all the time, but definitely every year during March Madness, it definitely, you know, 
strike the nerve and think about it quite a bit, but I can just remember John McDonald coming down and I mean, he banked a three in it from the top of the key. And it was like, I was like, game's over. Like, we're going to win this thing. Like, you know, we got to get one stop. And I can, you know, I can remember talking to guys after the game and I think it was, uh, I don't know, somebody drove, maybe it was Todd Bergen drove to the basket. And I think Kashif or Nakia blocked the shot and it was kind of going out of bounds. And I still think that maybe when they got the rebound out of bounds, that Todd Bergen was really close to the baseline. If he really close, maybe if they had review back then, it might've been different, but he threw it out. And I can remember Donald Mitchell saying, I could have blocked the shot. I could have blocked this three, but I did not want to foul him. And, uh, you know, he hit, hit the shot and, you know, the rest is kind of history. I really think if we win that game, we go on and we beat New Mexico the next game. And I kind of tell a story all the time. I think Syracuse, or, Syracuse didn't play in Duke. Was that in the Sweet 16? I think so. I think that Yeah, was. playing Duke. And I was actually at that game. I was, had a good friend that worked for Nike at the time. And uh, he flew me down to Tampa for those games. And I can just remember sitting there like, man, we were that close. We should be playing here right now. But instead, I had to go down there and, you know, watch those games. So we, I think we definitely win the second game, though, for sure. Mm. Um, and then, you know, your second NCAA game, I brought it up before. You actually had eight assists against Maryland. Um, and that was a game that just started off terribly. I think we were down 22 to four or something. Yeah. And then, you know, it was just uphill from there. But uh, those, those NCAA moments aside, what were your best memories of playing for Iona and being Iona's campus and things like that? I just think just the friendships I've built with my teammates, you know, coming from <clears throat> being a small town kid from, you know, a town of 20,000 people, predominantly white, uh, you know, I can remember my dad driving me out to New York City and dropping me off for the first time the summer before. And, you know, I had an African-American roommate, Trey Kirksey, who's, you know, for four years, was one of my best friends. I can remember him taking me to, you know, the Soundview housing projects and just, you know, all those things like that just have made me, you know, learn so much about, you know, different cultures and different, you know, races and how to appreciate those you know, those races and the, they're no different than us. And just those relationships are just huge. And, you know, they just have helped mold me as a person and as a parent. And, uh, you know, I can pass those things off to my kids. That's awesome. Um, speaking of that, who are you still in contact with that, Iona? Or from your um, I, I talked to quite a few people. I mean, I talked to Kashif and Tariq and Phil Grant. Those are the three most I talked to at the most. Um, I still text with a few guys, you know, Facebook Messenger, um, Ben Parisi, and I still chat quite a bit. Um, I used to talk to John Ruggiero, rest in peace, a long, you know, we, we talked quite often. Um, so yeah, those are most of the guys I really talked to. Coach Rulon, obviously I talked to him probably once a month. And then Rob O'Driscoll, who's still coaching in college, you know, he comes usually comes in town once a summer to do some recruiting. They're, they hold a lot of big AAU events here in Indiana. So I usually meet him for lunch or, you know, dinner or something like that. So. Okay. So tell us about uh, what you've been up to in the last 20 years of your life. Uh, since, uh, you know, again, that our most Iona fans, last time they've seen you was against Maryland. <laughs> so what have you been up to since? Um, so when I first graduated from college, you know, I had a lot of goals. I wanted to be, a, you know, I thought I would like to get into coaching and be a college basketball coach. So for the first five or six years, I was, a, you know, I was teaching school and I was assistant high school basketball coach. Um, Dad passed away. I took a year off from coaching. Um, I got married. So I tell the story all the time. I got married, had my firstborn child, bought my first house, and buried my dad in 365 days. So mm. that was a, the big year for me. So um, kind of got out of coaching for a year, did a few other things, um, got back into coaching. And I, at that time, I had stopped teaching. I was doing medical device sales. So I did that for a few years, coached for probably another five or six years with a really good friend of mine. He took another job that was kind of too far away. So um, 
I stopped coaching. Uh, I stopped coaching high school basketball and my kids were starting to get a little bit older. So I started coaching them a little bit. Um, I got three kids. I had one just graduate from college. I have one that's going to start eighth grade next week. And I have another one that's going to start fourth grade next week. So um, I got a great wife, great job, great family, just really just trying to be a great dad. I mean, that's, that's my, that's the biggest thing for me to be a great dad. Do, do you miss coaching? Uh, I still coach a little bit. I coach, um, I have an AAU team and Indiana elite AAU team for my, I guess he's going to be an eighth grader. I coach his team in the summer. Then I coached last year. I coached my youngest son's third grade basketball team. So I, I get my coaching fixed out of that. I really have, I don't miss, you know, I, I'm gl- kind of glad I didn't get into college coaching. Um, I just, you know, you see these guys out there bouncing around from job to job and, you know, you got to move your family from New York. And if, you know, you get a new job or for whatever reason, you know, good or bad, you got to move to Florida, then you got to move here and you got to move there. And I just, you know, the stability of it, unless, you know, I, I don't know what the percentage is, but, you know, for the stability of it, you know, most, I'd say probably 70% of those coaches are bouncing around every three to four years. And I just, I, I never really had any interest in that. So. Mm. <laughs> um. So I mean, let's go back again to your playing days. I wanted to ask you about, uh, you got to play for a couple of different head coaches during your time. Um, tell me about what it was like playing for, uh, for Coach Welsh and then Coach Rulin as, as the head guy. Um, they're both great coaches. I mean, I, you know, they, I'm very appreciative of the opportunity they gave me. You know, um, Coach Welsh was probably, you know, a little bit more of, you know, just a coach more than, you know, our mentor or a friend. I mean, he was just really, you know, he was a great coach, great X's and O's probably didn't connect with him as much as close as I did with coach rule. And I, I think a lot of coaches would say that I think coach Welsh really had, you know, he wanted to have a good couple of years and he, you know, he had, he had goals where he probably wanted to move on to a bigger, bigger school. So um, coach rule. And I mean, like I said, I think I was his first ever recruit at Iona. So um, I just really connected with him and, you know, moving out to New York and being so far away from home, he was kind of like, you know, became a father figure for me. And um, he did a lot for me. And, you know, we had our ups and downs. Like I think every player coach does, but, you know, he is, you know, not that he didn't have goals to move on, but him being there longer, you know, longevity like that, I think he did a better job of probably connecting with his players. Maybe not as good as coach X's and O's wise as coach Welsh was, but coach Rowan was a great players coach. He was a great recruiter and um, just really connected with his players. So as I said early on for to everybody in the call, we, we briefly saw each other uh, in uh, Indianapolis uh, at the tournament. Um, and um, so you got to play for, like I said, a couple of guys who had a lot of success at Iona. Um, and it's amazing that there's only four guys who have been coaching at Iona since you left. I mean, <laughs> Roland conti- continued, then Kevin Willard, then Tim Cluis, and now Rick Pitino. Um, so let me get your take on those last two um, since uh, we talked about Coach Roland already and, and, and Coach Welsh. Um, so obviously, Tim Cluis, you obviously have, have stayed as an Iona fan and have always watched the program and stayed connected with it from, a, from that perspective. Um, let's picture yourself as a 17-year-old kid that was being recruited by Iona uh, and to play in that, what I imagine would be a very fun system to play in that, that uh, Tim Cluis ran. Tell me about that. Hey, would you love to have been a point guard in that system? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, who wouldn't want to play like that? You know, up and down the court, you know, you know, shooting it quickly, you know, trying to rebound, get it out, fast break. I mean, I think it was a great system, you know, would be very intriguing to any 17-year-old. Uh, the basketball personality in me, I don't know that I love to watch it, but, you know, it, it's it's hard to argue with the success that, 
you know, that he had for, you know, I don't know how many years he was there, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10 years, yeah. 10 years. I mean, it's hard to argue with the success they had there, you know, winning six or seven tournaments. I don't know how many it was, six or seven. Um, going into the play tournaments, they almost won the game, I believe. I, and I was there in Dayton against uh, Brigham Young. Yes, we don't talk yeah. about that here because of the way yeah. that one went. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought it was that's another game. Like, you know, you go back to the Syracuse game, like John McDonald banks a shot in, you think it's over. And next thing you know, it's kind of like, oh, um, you know, you, you see me like falling on the ground. It's like, you know, you just crushed. Where that game, I mean, it was 20 point game, maybe even a little bit more. And it just, I can remember sitting there watching that and it's just like, all right, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. And you're just kind of like, holy crap. We just, how did we just lose that game? It's uh, <laughs> definitely tough. And then, I mean, Coach Patino's, Coach Patino, I mean, it's, you know, it's amazing. You know, it's almost kind of like you, you kind of think that, you know, Iona basketball started with Jim Valvano, basically, you know, I mean, and then now you have Rick Patino as the coach. It's just kind of, almost kind of like bookends, not like Coach Patino is going to be the end of Iona basketball, but it's almost kind of like bookends. You have arguably probably two of the most popular coaches in NCAA basketball history I mean I, I don't I think it'd be hard to find two more personalities or two more people that were more popular than you know coaches than coach Patino and coach Valvano so I mean it's just amazing I think it's great that he's there I think it's great for the program the notoriety it brings um, you know it's funny out here I have people ask me when the Pacers got open oh I heard coach Patino's gonna take the Pacers I'm like everybody I talk to says this is it this is his last stop he doesn't need the Pacers money he doesn't need anybody's money he's his goal is to win that, you know, that one elusive NCAA tournament game. And I think if that would ever happen, he might, uh, he might retire after that. So I'm going to, again, I'm going to put you in your 17 year old yep. high school kid in, in Indiana. And then Rick Patino is recruiting you to come to Iona. I mean, what has that conversation go in your head? <laughs> where, when do I sign or where do I sign? I'm ready to sign. You know, I think that that's, it's a no brainer for kids. I mean, who, he can, he should be able to recruit anybody. I mean, you know, anymore. I mean, you know, there's so many one and dones and kids don't stay, you know, in school long. I, he should be able to go out and recruit anybody, anybody's home. And I think that, you know, with his professional experience as a coach and development of players and getting players ready, I think the next few years can be really exciting seeing what type of players. I think you'll definitely see some higher, you know, level recruited players coming in to play at Iona. We started talking about recruiting and we've kind of, gone back to it a couple times there and how much it's really changed. I mean, and it really changed. Uh, I mean, Tim Close was really ahead of it, bringing in transfers, uh, bringing in more JUCOs and anybody really brought in. And now it's so commonplace. Uh, so let me just start you off with this and we'll get more into it. The transfer portal, good or bad? Um, it's bad for high school kids, I think, because I think there's a lot of kids that kind of have to sit and wait to see how that portal empties out, I guess, if that's a good way to put it, you know. Um, I think it's good for some college kids because I, you know, I, I think some college kids get in some bad situations when they first get into college and, you know, it's not the perfect situation how they thought, or maybe their coach leaves or, you know, something like that. Um, I'm not a huge fan of, you know, a guy being able to, you know, graduate in three years and then go play wherever he wants to go play. I don't, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, but I think it'll all kind of iron its way, iron ourself out and, you know, kind of, kind of level stuff out and it'll be beneficial for both the high school kids and, you know, for college coaches. I just think coaches got to be careful. You know, you, you start recruiting too many kids out of the transfer portal. That could hurt you getting, you know, high school recruits too. So. Well, let me ask you this. You, you mentioned that you didn't connect as well uh, to coach Welsh as you did to coach Roland. You didn't really play a ton your first couple of years. And, and this year our kids, that situation, they're gone. 
Um, in, in this era, if you were at Iona and that happened, would you have even stayed four years? Uh, you know, I don't know. You know, I wanted to leave after my freshman year, but, you know, it was a little bit of, you know, my high school coach, Ed Schilling, had gotten right state, the right state job at the time. It was closer to home. I didn't love my first year, but, you know, I mean, I think kids just got to learn that it's, it's just not going to happen right away. It's, you know, as you got to go and, you know, I kind of tutor or talk to some kids about the recruiting process now. And I tell them, you know, when you get into college, it's one of two things. You're either trying to find a way to stay on the floor or you're trying to way, trying to find a way to get on the floor. Every practice. I mean, it just is, you, you know, everybody was a great player on their high school team. Everybody, you know, scored 20 points. Everybody was the best player on their AAU team. So I just think kids just, freshmen need to be patient they just need to kind of wait their turn and you know I didn't love my freshman year I sophomore year was a little bit better I junior year was okay and then you know I didn't play you know I I was injured to start my my senior year I sat for a little while and I mean there was a point where I was ready to go home in December of my senior year but you know I just think if you keep working hard and you stay ready the time will come and, and you know I think it worked out my senior year the time came and you know we went on a big long win streak and um, you know things worked out for the best. Well, and, and it's also the difference is that, you know, if, if you decided to leave, you're, you're automatically sitting out a year. Yep. Whereas now it's different too. I mean, yeah. uh, is it, has it become too easy to transfer? Oh, for sure. 100% it's become too easy, but I mean, you know, that's kind of the world we live in now. There's a lot of things are, you know, complain, moan, groan, things become too easy anymore for anybody. So, um, but this definitely became too easy for kids to leave. You know, you commit to that school. Now I do think that, you know, if it's after year one or two and your coach goes and takes another job, yeah, you should probably have the option to be able to go somewhere else and not be punished because you usually go to a school to play for that coach. And if that coach, you know, leaves, you know, maybe a new coach comes in and, you know, maybe you don't connect with that coach as well. So I definitely think there's got to, they got to find a balance. It just can't be the, I just want to hop around from this school to that school whenever I want. Hmm. Okay, so now let's pretend you're a senior and you're on this year's Iona team. And here we go. The NIL is now out there and you can go ahead and find ways to make money for yourself. Who are you calling? <laughs> I don't know that I would be calling anybody for me. I don't know if anybody paid me for anything. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 think it's, I think it's great. I think that, you know, that, you know, I think kids should be able to make money off their, you know, their last name or, you know, I, Damon Bailey was a huge idol of mine growing up in Indiana. And I can only imagine how many, you know, jerseys they sold without his name on the back, but they bought him because of that number. Right. Um, you know, I don't know that if they sold number 11 jerseys in the bookstore, Iona, bookstore, Iona, they would have bought them. But um, I, uh, I think it's great that kids can, you know, make money off their name. And I think it's, um, I think it's a long time coming. I think it's definitely a good thing. Now I think it's going to hurt some schools. I mean, you know, you have schools like was it Miami came out and said they had this big pot of money for all their football players. And I think it's going to hurt some schools, but I definitely think um, it's, it's a good thing for sure. Do you think it hurts anybody who's basically not a major program? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, you have a coach like Coach Patino. I mean, he's got a lot of contacts and knows a lot of people. And I, you know, I, I think it can hurt some smaller schools, but I don't think it would affect Iowa too much. I really don't. Hmm. All right. Um, I guess I wanted to ask you one more thing. If there was something you can change outside of uh, that shot against Syracuse going in, if there's something you can change from your time at Iona, what would it have been? Um, absolutely nothing, really, to be honest with you. I think, you know, there's a ton of great things that happened to me. There's, you know, a ton of things that, you know, maybe I didn't 
you know, react to the right way or I didn't handle the right way. But, you know, I think it's all about growing and, you know, it kind of molds you as a person. You know, it's hard to go back and look, say, I would change this or change that. I guess maybe I wouldn't have went behind the back and let Jason Hart steal it from me at half court. How about that? Then maybe that three-pointer at the end of the game doesn't, doesn't mean as much. So how about that? I wouldn't have went behind the back there. How much do you watch that game and find little things like that that, geez, if we just didn't do that, like, or if you didn't just do that, if you're in your mind, yeah. how, much, how many times have you watched the game, I guess, is like a good question for you. I've watched it several times. You know, it's every year I, uh, I definitely pull out the clip. I, uh, I made, I got lucky and threw some shot up in the air and Al McGuire was doing the game. He's like, holy cow, you wouldn't think an Indiana kid could do that shot. You know, something like that. I, I always send that out to a lot of buddies, but I always make sure when I, you know, the clip I have of it, because just a few plays before that is when I, or the play after that, I think I made that shot, came down, got a rebound, outlet to me, I tried to go behind my back, and I mean, I I went behind my back, and before I even knew it, he was down there laying it in, so I I always cut that clip out of it, but um, yeah, I, I, I watch it some, I, I have some DVDs and some games I played, and I, I show them to my kids sometimes, but I mean, I'm I'm way past all that, so. <laughs> yeah, but but how? All right, well, let me ask you this then, just to wrap it up here. How much of your time as a player kind of shaped into who you are today? Oh, it, a ton. It shaped me as a you know as a husband. It shaped, shaped me as a father. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's uh, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be the husband I am today. I wouldn't be the father I am today if I didn't you know if I didn't play basketball for sure. Absolutely. And then definitely didn't play you know playing basketball on my own. I mean, it, like I said, it was uh, you know it was a great experience for me. I mean, like I said, coming from a small town in Indiana, going out to New York city, you know, he had to grow up, I had to grow up really fast. So it was definitely, uh, I wouldn't change anything in those four years. I wouldn't do anything. I don't think I would do anything different. I, you know, it was a very special time for me, a very, uh, I'm very humbled by the experience. I'm very fortunate to have that experience. And, uh, I always tell people all the time, I'm, you know, I'm from Indiana, but you know, I'm still, consider myself part New Yorker too. So have you been back to New York since? Uh, I've came back a few times. Um, I mean, I can, I don't think, I don't know that I've been to a game at, I don't know, is it still called the Mulcahy Center? <laughs> now the Heinz Center. Heinz Center. I haven't been back to a game there. I think maybe once since I graduated, I need to, I need to get back, but you know, I'm busy on the weekends with my, with my own kids stuff. So, and I hate to miss that, you know, as a dad, you don't want to miss those games because you just never know when, you know, your kid's going to be the guy that hits the last second shot or has that special game. And, um, you know, you just, it's hard for me to not be around for those things. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, there'll be a time later in life when they get older and you'll have more time. For sure. And, you know, go, taking my family, you know, it's perfect coming to Butler this year, taking my family to that game. I mean, dang gone, man, what a, that was just an awesome experience. And, you know, I wish it was under dis, different circumstances, not having COVID and being, you know, wish we could have got set, set closer to the floor and, yeah. you know, talk to people and things like that but it was just that was an amazing day for me especially you know be able to take my family to a game awesome great well it's been a great uh, catching up with you uh for all these years um i'm sure iona fans are thrilled to hear that things are going well for you and uh especially again we've well, we we enjoyed your time on iona but there's also again some attachments to a couple of rough moments so uh, yeah for sure but, it, but it's great to see that uh, those did not define your future in any way <laughs> <laughs> and all no, you never, you never let a couple of moments, a couple of moments never define, define your future for sure. I mean, you got just like anything, you got to learn from and move on and um, just kind of bank those things. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming on and uh, we hope to see you in your Rochelle for a game at some point, but certainly. Absolutely. 
certainly maybe we'll be back in another NCAA tournament game together. Uh, hopefully maybe in a few months. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully it's under different circumstances this time where you can actually go to the game and, you know, not to wear your mask and, you know, I'm, I know it's been a tough time for everybody out there. So hopefully we can uh, kind of get through this rest of this, you know, rest of this year and not have any more issues. I, I totally couldn't agree more. All right, man. Well, it was great catching up and we will stay in touch. To, uh, take right. care and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for Thank joining you. us. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you reaching out. Thank you. All righty. All right. Thanks, guy. It was certainly great catching up with former Gail Jason Young today. And now we wait in excitement as the Gales prep for Greece. Stay tuned for an exciting August for Gale Nation and this podcast. See you all next time and go Gales. Thank you for listening to this edition of the IonaHoops.com podcast. This podcast is a production of IonaHoops.com and its publisher Guy Filatico. The opinions shared during this podcast are those of Guy Filatico, IonaHoops.com, and any future guests. This podcast is not affiliated with Iona College Athletics or the college itself. Thank you for supporting IonaHoops.com.